maybe that's maybe that's the avenue that I go. Maybe I'm just like the wrestling podcast Barry Gordy. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble. Hello, people of Earth, and hello, people of the internet wrestling community. My name is Curtis Spears, and I am here with you today for episode 10 of the Smart Foundation podcast. That's right, we made it to double digits, baby. And with me today, as always, the number one homie, your friend, my hero, the Shelton Benjamin to my Charlie Haas, Shane Campbell. How do you feel, Shane? How you doing today, bud? Ain't no stopping me now. Now, here's the thing, Shane. Are you feeling any happier? Because the last few episodes, you've been a grumpy Gus. How are you feeling today? I guess we'll just have to see. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe that's just that. Maybe that's just what I do. <laughs> the first thing we like to do, as ever, here on our tenth birthday celebration, is we like to think about the matches that have made us very happy this the last two weeks. And uh, man, I got a couple. Because it was Wrestle Kingdom 16 the other day. Oh, baby. Mm-hmm. Shane, do you have any matches, favorite matches from the last two weeks you'd like to tell us about? There was there was a lot of a lot of good wrestling. My plan is to still kind of uh, broaden my horizons a little bit more um, outside of, you know, AEW, um, WWE, NXT, New Japan, even though I... I mean, I haven't really brought it out to New Japan that much anyway, but my, my plan is to kind of get a little more diverse. Um, but as far as the mainstream, quote-unquote, wrestling, there's there's a lot of a lot of fun moments. The the street fight um, with the ladies in AEW was, was fantastic. That was, who was it, the Bunny and uh, P- Penelope Ford versus uh, Anna Jay and Ty Conti? Ty Conti, yeah, that was, that was fun. Hangman Page and... and and Brian Danielson. Um, sadly, I've kind of lost interest in that one already. I've 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 explained that I I think they should have just shocked the world and given the title to to Brian in their first match. Now, kind of just watching them wrestle is great, but I, I don't know with a company that you you think the the shines off that match already. Well, yeah, because with such an emphasis on wins and losses, and then Brian has like. A bunch of draws and losses. I don't know. He doesn't have a bunch of draws and losses. He's got two draws, one loss. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and that is still less than Hook. Yeah, Hook is undefeated. Right. Put the belt on that man. I, I, I don't know. They're they're putting on great matches, but uh, yeah. And then obviously, um, the coronation of Braun Breaker was was also fantastic. Mm-hmm. The match itself was okay. I'm upset. I'm upset because I went to watch that match the other day, and I don't know why why it's not uploaded to WWE, WWE Network yet. Well, I went to watch. I think two or three days after the match actually took place, it used to was that NXT would upload to the uh, to the WWE Network uh, the day after. So I would have to wait until usually about Friday to watch it when it was on Wednesday. So if it was on Wednesday, 
because of the time difference, it wouldn't be on until Thursday morning here, which means it wouldn't be uploaded till like Friday morning. And then I would watch it on Fridays if there was a good match that I was interested to watch. I went to watch it, I think it was on Saturday morning uh, here, and I, I couldn't. I was just unable. I still haven't seen that match. I've actually, I haven't seen any Braun Breaker matches and I was, I was ready to watch this one and see what the hype's all about. You're, you're missing out. I, I I forgot that you still have the network over there, over overseas. Yeah. We don't have the, uh, we don't have the cock. Yeah. Um, and see with here, like it's on Peacock and then it's on Hulu and then it's on USA network, the app. So it gets uploaded on like all three of those at different times, and um, so I'm usually able to catch it on one of those, and I, I lose track on which one I usually watch it on. So if you have any of those, like Hulu, I know Hulu does it fairly quick. Hulu is Hulu is not available in England. Hulu, if you're listening, <laughs> Hulu, if you're listening, and I know you are, big fan. Get your shit straight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, that was really unfortunate. Well, that sucks. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I really want to. I really want to watch this. I really want to give this guy a chance. He looks like uh, an absolute stud. He looks like he's the future. Uh, he looks like he's a fucking Steiner, and that makes me excited. And I want to watch his matches, but I can't. So yeah, thanks WWE. Thanks. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> nope, 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 nope. We're not getting. We're not getting into sad territory today because we're happy because it's our 10th birthday. Right. So we need a, we need a bouncy castle. We need a smart foundation bouncy castle. Yes. And (laughs) which, which brings me to my, my number one moment. Doink the clown. It might actually be the the real Doink the clown. He's not doing anything right now. Shout out to Doink. He's dead. What? (laughs) Shout out to Matt Bourne who is, oh, just checked. He's dead. (laughs) Okay. Um, Matt, Matt Bourne, if you're listening in heaven and I know you are. Big fan. We'll pour one out. Pour one out for the we'll homies. Pour one out for you. One for me, one for Doink. <laughs> oh, this is... <laughs> oh, no. Right. Where did this go? What was your number one? What was your number one moment of the week? Okay. So, my number one moment, CM Punk and yep. uh, the war dog, Wardlow. Wardlow? The powerbomb symphony uh, conductor himself? So, I really enjoyed this match. I'm being somewhat sarcastic. And then I thought, man, I enjoyed this match even more the first time I seen it in 1995. Uh, okay. So I haven't yeah. seen the match yet. Who who did it remind you of? So this one was a direct rip of Diesel and Brett Survivor Series 95. No, really? Yes. 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 Did he did he go to Powerbomb Powerbomb CM Punk and CM Punk rolled him up out of nowhere? Is that what happened? Yes. Oh. <laughs> the whole match was just it was reminiscent. Like, and here's the thing. I I get the the Brett and Punk are, are friends and, and who am I to like judge it, but it's like I think at this point he's just pulling up old Bret Hart matches and be like, "Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this." I, one. I think what 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 we've discovered most of all is that CM Punk does still pay for the network. Yeah. <laughs> First off, no, at least I, Peacock. Yeah. I mean, I, I um, mean, even the table, even the announce table spots were the basically the same. The finish. Uh, 
It was just cringe. It was super cringe. Oh no, that's no good, man. I yeah. like I like Wardlow and I like CM Punk. Yeah. I I thought for sure we were gonna have uh Wardlow like turn on MJF there, like have MJF like hit Wardlow to to cost CM Punk the victory or something. And then Wardlow turn around, what the f man, and like turn on M- MJF. I I I don't know. I that's coming guess too. That's that's coming too because there was there was they there was some of that in the match too afterwards after Wardlow uh-huh. lost. So they're 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 setting that up. They're ser- they're setting up him uh, to eventually be the Batista. Yeah, but in the meantime, it was it was so blatant that. I, uh, so you're over you're over CM Punk's uh, running Bret Hart tributes. We're at two right now. I was I would have been okay with one, but now now that now I got to go back and 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 rewatch some other ones just to see if there might have been more than that. And I don't know what. I mean, it just clicks. Are you are you mad that CM Punk is having you go back and watch Bret Hart matches? Well, no, I, I'm mad that I now have to go back and watch CM Punk <laughs> matches to see if he's doing other Bret Hart matches. Oh, come on. CM Punk matches are fun. Now that they're Bret Hart matches, I guess there's that. <laughs> and, and again, I'm not saying that he lost, that he's lost a step because his, his steps are more steps than I've ever stepped in a ring. So who am I to talk about steps? I'm just mm-hmm. saying it's it's pretty blatant. And I was, well, everyone has to adjust in their in their early forties somehow, you know. I mean, he's what 42, 43 years old now. Yeah, it's just uh, maybe if maybe now that he has a little more creative control over his matches, that that's just maybe the model he wants to go by, which is fine. But it's just man, it's just so blatant that it's just like, uh, yeah. Does it have to be a direct lift? Yeah, and when you know after he was powerbomb for the 40th time in the match and and punk did the whole you know oh i'm dead playing possum and i was literally thinking to myself he better not win this with the roll-up he sure enough did i was like are you kidding me this is survivor series 95 and i say that because you know the last episode i was kind of hard on uh kevin nash about his lackluster matches that was one of his better matches in WWF. That was a really good match, and it's still a match that I, to this day, upsets me. I remember being so angry when I was like 12 years old watching that match. And I I mean, I, I posted on our Facebook group about it a couple of months ago. Just the match graphic and just, yeah. God, I'm still angry about this. So, yeah, no, uh, being reminded of that would probably very be very upsetting. Uh, for me personally, I, I I feel like Punk's next match is gonna be like a sixty-three minute Iron Man match. And... <laughs> so you're you're saying thank you very much for your tributes, Punk. Now it's time to be CM Punk again instead of right CM Hart. Exactly. Uh, well, this 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 C, having trouble... does C stand for Calgary? Is it Calgary made Punk? <laughs> is that what we're going off of? I mean, let's just do it then. That's no good, man. I'm, I'm of two minds about it. I don't really, I don't really care, because like I still like CM Punk, and I really, I, I want him to do well, and I think I like Bret Hart. So, well, no, I don't. It's not. I don't think I like Bret Hart. I think that him lifting from Bret Hart is fine, but if it's as blatant as it looks, like it was what th- four spots, five spots in that Darby Allen match that were directly lifted. That one, that one was pretty, pretty blatant. But that one was a that was refreshing because that was. That was the first one. 
Yeah. But now now that I now that I you know now that I see that there's at least one more, now I'm starting to be like, oh okay. All right. Yeah. I'm a little bit weary. Yeah, I, I I wonder how many times he's gonna actually end up doing it. And I hope I hope it doesn't become a thing that he does very often. Maybe just, you know, leave that for uh smaller matches, you know, matches on dynamite or something like that. But if he starts doing it in big matches well, I would say the Darby Allen match was a big match. Yeah. But that was the only that was the first time he did it. So I I don't know. I don't know. Seems like maybe um someone who's inspired by, you know, a, a band like the Beatles and then just remakes the White album over and over again is going to you know eventually people are going to cotton on and get really upset. Remember when like Poison remade uh when they were remaking some of Kiss's music? Didn't they do like a rock and roll all night? I'm pretty sure they remade that. It kind of reminds me of that. That sounds absolutely terrible. If that's yeah. a thing that happened, shame on you, Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels, if you're listening, and I know you are, yeah. I know you are. You're a very big fan of our podcast, and I'm upset. I'm upset that you would uh, you would try and re-release a Kiss song, I'm especially when sure like Rock and Roll Night and Party Every Day. Yep, that sounds awful. Well, we can talk about some really great stuff. You want to talk about something uh, something super awesome? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Wrestle Kingdom 16, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited. Wrestle Kingdom 16 had one of the awesomest cards I've ever seen in my life. It was fantastic. Unfortunately, they split it over two days, so there was a whole lot of filler. <laughs> if that had just been one card, it would have been so damn good. Oh. Unfortunately, they did fill it with a bunch of um, Road to Wrestle Kingdom shows. It was uh, multi-man tags here, there, and everywhere that, you know, were to build to the next night and stuff like that. I I get it. But, man, if they could have cut the fat off of this one card, it might have been one of the best Wrestle Kingdoms they've done in a few years. Uh, uh, Some of my favorite Wrestle Kingdoms, I really liked uh, 10, 11, and 12. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 8 was pretty good. This, This could have stood maybe not as good as those, but up with them. If we had had just uh, Okada, uh, so Okada had two matches. So I, if I had to pick one, the better match was probably the Will Ospreay match, Okada versus Will Ospreay. But I think I liked the Okada versus Shingo match more, just because I I actually kind of bought in that Shingo might win a couple of times. There was a, a few times there where I thought, oh shit, he's gonna do it, and. Um, Unfortunately, he did not. Okada is now the man. He has reclaimed his title. He's back on the heap once again. You know, thank you, Shingo, for having, for being the first person to have that belt for, you know, a stretch of time, defend it a couple of times, wear it through a G1 Climax tournament, and actually bring a little stability. But now it's Okada's time. Okada is ready to wear the belt into the 50th anniversary and hopefully bring prominence uh, for New Japan once again. Um, and he doesn't look half bad with the belt. I thought for sure the second he put that belt on, it was going to look gross, and I was I was going to throw up on my mouth a little bit. And actually, it's not bad. It doesn't it doesn't look look too bad. The U.S. title match uh, between Kenta and Tanahashi was really good. I don't really usually care for no DQ stipulation matches, and I thought for sure. 
these two are just going to have maybe a couple of chairs and a kendo stick or something like that. It's going to be, you know, neither one of them's feeling very good right now. Tanahashi mm-hmm. is is uh, winding down his career. No, they pulled out every every trick in the book. Kenta ended up with some pretty terrible injuries uh, after it. Uh, he fell off of a 15-foot ladder face first into a garbage can, busted his, uh, broke his nose. He broke a finger. He dislocated his hip. And he had a large laceration laceration on his back. And then his dog died. Like, man, Kenta's had a terrible week. Yeah. So, R.I.P. Kenta's dog. Um, very sorry to hear about that. That's fucking terrible, man. Hiromu Takahashi and El Desperado did not disappoint. I thought for sure they were going to go into this and have a 48-minute, like, longest uh, junior heavyweight bout at Wrestle Kingdom ever. And um, no, they actually, they did a 15 minute sprint. Uh, they've had their, you know, 40 minute, 38 minute, whatever it was, character driven, you know, moment at, at the best of super juniors tournament last year. Great match. And they said, you know what? We're in a new chapter now. Let's just go out there and throw bombs. And they did. Oh my God. Every single move from start to finish. There was no downtime. Uh, Desperado wins clean and he won impactfully. Desperado is your man in the junior division now. Hiromu might move up to heavyweight, which I guess could freshen up the heavyweight picture quite a bit. 15 minutes, that's that's speedy. Yeah, and, and they went for it too. There was no there was no like downtime at all. It was it was run, 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 move, move, move the entire time. It was really impressive to watch. It was a ton of fun. Oof. The never the never open weight title between Ishii and Evil was rough. That was. Whew. I wonder if good good old stinky Uncle Dave Dave Meltzer. I wonder if he like had to sit there and just cry himself to sleep at night, knowing he was going to have to give a Tomohiro Ishii match at Wrestle Kingdom like a zero star rating. <laughs> There was nothing to like in this match whatsoever. It was terrible. Evil's garbage. Um, but you know what? If he can keep his keep the House of Torture stuff just to the Never Division, it's fine. I don't care anymore. I can skip those matches. Whatever. The tag title match between Dangerous Techers and uh, uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. Pretty pretty good. Uh, enjoyed it a lot. Very fun match. Yeah, Wrestle Kingdom all over. But my, uh, my number one match from uh, Wrestle Kingdom was definitely uh, Shingo versus Okada. It was a fantastic match start to finish. Uh, both dudes looked strong. Both dudes had just great fighting spirit moments. But when Okada came out, you knew Okada was the man. He, in his in his new uh, Antonio Inoki-inspired uh, outfit... Did you did I show you the um the inscriptions that were written on his on his robe, his new robe? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I've a written history yep. of of New Japan Pro Wrestling all over his robe. Absolutely gorgeous. Yep. Had a new haircut and a new uh like that towel around his neck to just ri- remind everyone that he's the new Antonio Inoki. Pretty cool. And uh I think he's going to end up carrying that belt for a long time and I think he's going to do good things with it. More on that later. Last thing I want to shout out is there was a great match uh, on New Japan Strong this week between Eddie Kingston and the newly graduated Gabriel Kidd from the L.A. Dojo. Gabe Kidd and Eddie Kingston just 
slapped ten shades of shit out of each other, and it was fantastic. It was an absolute war. Uh, Eddie Kingston ended up winning uh, after about 15 minutes with a spinning back fist, and you could just tell that the they were going for that Shibataism strong style from Gabe Kidd versus the um, the King's Road style from Eddie Kingston. A lot of great moments and a lot of high-impact offense from the two of them. Great war. Any last words for that section, Shane? Well, no, I was going to say um, we're going we're gonna to put a little tab on um, Okada for, for something later on in the show. Me too. I got something to say uh, about okay. Okada as well. This is going to be fun. All right. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Okay, cool. All right. Well, then in that case, let's get into our retro review. On October 10th, 1997, in Tokyo, Japan, a miracle took place. In Ryugoku, a man was brought back from the dead. Jinsei Hakushi Shinzaki rose from the grave to face the one and only dead man, The Undertaker. The atmosphere held something intense that night. The lights dimmed, and a melancholy tune played low over the speakers. The sadness of the sweet solo flute stirred the curiosity of the crowd. A procession bathed in muted red light brought a large coffin to the ring. Emblazoned with a glowing white cross, the coffin itself held aloft by black-masked men. The sound of a cold wind blows and the music stops. The men pray in a circle around that coffin, then open it. Steam rises. Then we hear it. Familiar to every fan of Western wrestling, the gong, the funeral dirge beckoning the dead man, the undertaker. A purple light fills the entranceway. And the intimidating presence of 1997 Undertaker fills the entire hall with quiet dread. He raises the lights, and removed from the coffin in the ring we see the lifeless body of the white angel Hakushi. The bell rings and the Undertaker stalks slowly around his fallen prey. Then, Hakushi stirs, but not with any fervor. Not a man getting back to his feet after a big move to try and strike his opponent. No, more a plodding, ungraceful, corpse-like. Hakushi has been resurrected, but this is not our white angel. It's more of a zombie. We see he is still wearing the gear he wore in April in his first match back in Japan. The Asian Dream Match is what it was called, against the one and only Great Muda. His white trousers doused in now-dried blood, his hand wraps stained with his own drained life force. During that match, which is one I'd love to cover, Muda bled Hakushi like an animal and then snapped Hakushi's prayer totem in half, and using Shinzaki's own blood drew the kanji symbol of death upon it, before vanquishing him with a patented moonsault press. Had this curse from the demon Muda taken Hakushi's heavenly life force and turned him into a lifeless husk, now forced to fight the Ministry of Darkness? Undertaker doesn't seem to care. He plants Hakushi with a thunderous choke slam, But Hakushi slowly revives. Strikes from the Undertaker, Hakushi revives. Unceasing his heavenly power now replaced with a deathless ability not to feel pain. An old-school clothesline and Taker takes Hakushi to the outside. Hakushi barely notices. He wanders, lost, his tortured soul, new to this world, his spirit broken by the once demonic Muta. Undertaker brings Hakushi back into the ring with a monstrous brain buster. This seems to finally awaken the angel. A few knife-hand chops, but they're not enough to stop the dead man. The Undertaker misses an elbow drop before doing his sit-up revival, at the same time as the zombified Hakushi lifts his lifeless body from the mat. Truly an otherworldly sight. Hakushi lands more strikes, chops, kicks, and a hurricane rana. Is this our white angel finally revived? He seems to be using his ability to strike like Hakushi, 
and his ability to shrug off the Undertaker's offense as well to try and gain the upper hand with a series of headbutts to the dead man in the corner. Then comes the spot of the match. Undertaker looks to finish off his opponent with another huge choke slam when Hakushi snaps back to reality and blocks the move with a giant backflip and attacks with a dragon screw leg whip. Taker is stunned, and the ghoulish white angel attacks Taker's legs with headbutts. But it's not enough. Taker is superhuman and at the height of his dark powers at this time. He finally fights back against Hakushi's high-impact offense, easily catching Hakushi as he attempts a plancha and slamming his spine into the corner post. At the 10-minute mark, the Undertaker catches his flying clothesline. But as he stalks his prey, Hakushi is able to exploit the knees one last time and get back to grounding and pounding the dead man. He lands a hard moonsault, followed by a diving headbutt, but the Undertaker avoids it by raising up and reviving. One final monstrous choke slam, and Taker slashes across his throat with his thumb. A jumping tombstone, and the zombified Hakushi is vanquished. The Undertaker's job is done. As he leaves, the red light returns. The slow, sorrowful music cues once more, and Hakushi's now again lifeless body is placed back in the coffin and carried away. Has his soul found absolution, or is he destined to wander the wrestling landscape in this hellish non-existence? For the rest of eternity. Our story ends there. But, as there is always in wrestling, more to come with Hakushi. So Shane, this was your pick. Fantastic. I do like this match, but there's a lot of problems with it. So let's start first with uh, why you picked this match. So I was I was, I was, was wanting to dig in the crates a little bit, get, get, some, get some deep cuts. And so I... I I wanted to go back to a time where, you know, that, that forbidden door was a, a little more open with WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, th- I had actually kind of forgotten about this match. I, years ago, I had seen their match they had earlier in Japan. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that was a house show in like 94, yeah? Yeah, that was a gray, gray glove taker era. Mm-hmm. My favorite taker era. And so when I came across this one and then got the backstory, it was kind of a, a, a double forbidden door thing, if you think about it. So you had this match that was, you know, had the partnership with WWF. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the, the setup was with Muda and, and, and Hakushi. And that match in New Japan was New Japan and WCW had a partnership yeah. in that one. So I I, I like the uh, the intertwining um, storylines and and talent from different promotions and that's that's part of you know my my wish for this year is you know that we can kind of get back to some of it. But then the story behind it was just so Japan. It's very, <laughs> it's very Japan, and it's it's so it's so wild because I think the thing that I like most about this match is that in Japan there's so many matches that are substance over style. Right. And this, I watched, um, I, I knew which match you were talking about when you sent it over to me. And so I made sure first to watch the Muda match mm-hmm. just to, just to like see how it lined up and things like that. And it, even though the matches are actually separate by about six months, that story of Muda basically cursing Hakushi is carried over into this match where, I, I like to think that maybe The Undertaker is like, oh, no, I know that there's this evil force uh, in Japan and I've got to get there and, and you know, get a payday at Ryugoku for Mishinoku Pro Wrestling and uh, right. put down this evil force. 
And it is really cool to see how a New Japan wrestler fighting a Mishinoku uh, pro wrestler, which has happened before in the past. You know, we've talked before on this podcast about the Super J Cup and things like that. Right. Then the Mishinoku pro wrestler who used to be in the WWF faces someone who is on loan from the WWF. This is this is a time when, you know, we're, we're this time now, 2022, holy cow, is the the WWF seems to be so greedy with their toys. They don't share their toys very often. And, you know, you, you think about it, like the undertaker was a big draw in 1997. You know, he would go on shortly to hold, uh, the, uh, hold the belt at WrestleMania 13. Yeah. This, this and, was right after hell in the cell too. After Kane yeah, debuted. This was a huge, huge time. Uh, so you know, undertaker being a huge draw, and going to help out Mishinoku Pro, you know, Mishinoku Pro at this time is one of the smaller, I wouldn't say smaller, it might have been the third biggest company in Japan behind All Japan and New Japan. But when you think about it, like, there's there's a deep story as far as the substance of the match. Mm-hmm. There's a deep story as far as the style of the match. And there's probably a deep backstage story that I'd be really interested in hearing. You know, was, was WWE trying to put together a, a Japanese um, connection with Mishinoku Pro? Um, you know, Taka Mishinoku had recently at that point been in the WWF. Uh, Hakushi had at that point recently been in the WWF. So, like... You know, wh- where was this falling, and was and was this WWF reaching out into the into Japan? Yeah, and 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 if you look back, like early early to mid nineties, they they had a pretty good working relationship. You know, I mean, hell, years before that, you know, they they sent Hulk Hogan over there and and Savage. Yeah, and so it was it was it was a fun time. One of the little quirky things about the match that I thought was odd, but I was okay with somehow. We had Bruce Pritchard, not Brother yes, Love. Not not Brother Love. Yeah. Bruce Pritchard. Brucey P. I would have liked to have maybe seen that evolve on WWF TV somehow. Because, you know, at that time, Paul Bear had already turned on him anyway. Mm-hmm. I wonder how they could have done a modern Brother Love and, pull, and pulled it off and had him be the manager for a little bit. That would have been pretty cool. It would have also been pretty cool to just see Brother Love in Japan and how that would have gone over. I I think maybe they were trying to be a little bit more serious yeah. uh, with this match than Brother Love would have. But, I mean, Bruce Pritchard's got a, he's got a pretty good wrestling mind. Seeing him being a, a bigger part of the match or an over-the-top, an over-the-top character might have been cool. Might have taken away from the seriousness of the match. I don't know. Yeah. But it was so weird to see Bruce, Bruce Pritchard, not Brother Love, Bruce Pritchard outside. Yeah. It's it was a a weird match for Hakushi as well because Hakushi is such a a fast wrestler, such a high flyer. You know, I've I've said before on this on this very program about how he was the first person I ever saw do a space flying tiger drop mm-hmm. on Raw in like '95. Hakushi is Jinsei Shinzaki is one of the baddest dudes to ever come out of any Japanese promotion. He's an absolute hero, and um. You know, it was weird to see him in the in the actual match itself wrestling like a zombie. Yeah, I mean, people have gotten in trouble doing that before. <laughs> it, yeah, it, well, it was on record that you know Kevin Kevin Thorne got railed for wrestling like the Undertaker. That 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 ended his career essentially in WWE. Oh, even though he was you know kind of brought into feud with the Undertaker. So I know. Yeah, 
I liked Kevin Thorne. I liked Kevin Thorne too. Yeah. Yeah. I still follow Ariel on Twitter. Yeah. Shelly Martinez. She's mm-hmm. great. At this point, it was really wild to see. It wasn't like he was just no selling Undertaker's offense because Undertaker was getting it in, right? Undertaker, you know, planted him with what, three choke slams throughout the match. And every time it was just, he would lay there for a few seconds and then he's a zombie. He starts getting up, walking, you know, like walking like a zombie, kind of, you know, wandering around and things like that. And then the Undertaker would hit him with something and he'd snap back to reality. He's like, oh, I'm Hakushi and start hitting him with like knife hand chops and things like that. Um, It was, it was really wild how they did it. And I know there are more matches where uh, this character kind of comes back and does, does more. I, I, I would like to see if maybe there's a place online where we can go and find like the actual series of like Hakushi versus, you know, as, as he's on the road to recovery, that would be pretty cool. I've only ever seen the, the Muda match and now this Undertaker match. Like, I, cause I wonder like what, what, what was the end game out of all of this? So it's like, so he quote unquote died against Muda. Yep. And so he was undead against the undead Undertaker where yep. he was killed again. I think so. I want, so I think that the, the idea might, might've been to like, he comes back from America. He fights Muda. Muda like trounces him. Cause that was, that was spectacle. That one was not even a match like this. This was a more of a match than the Muda match. The Muda match was just like, I'm a, I'm a cut you open, hit you with a bunch of things. And then like when you're bleeding everywhere, I'm going to moonsault you and put you away. It, there was like no match to it really. Um, it's a lot of fun to watch, but it is definitely spectacle over substance. This match, I think it might've been, the whole idea might've been to, to, have Hakushi reborn as a new character hmm. maybe. And that's something we can look into. And uh, I don't, I know a couple of people I could probably ask, but I think it might be funner to like kind of find out on my own. Right. I don't mind digging through Jin Shinzaki's back catalog to really look for these matches though. Cause uh, I do love him. Hakushi's bad. So yeah, maybe the, the idea was he comes back from America. He's a little bit weak. You know, he's been beaten up by the likes of Bret Hart and, and Bob Sparkplug Holly and Barry Horowitz. And <laughs> remember when Barry Horowitz tried to tried to teach him about American things? And then they did that again with Zoe Starks and Io Shirai in 2021. Uh, anyway, I, I, I can't even defend it. No, there's there's no reason to defend that. Like, no. Nope. Anyway. I don't book for WWE, so I shouldn't complain. There's, anyway. there's, but uh, speaking of that, there's a there's a common denominator in both of those situations. As I far as someone right. backstage, well, <laughs> she probably wasn't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's the what's the common denominator? Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. That's right. Something to wrestle with himself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's um, it's a. Interesting idea of having a character basically cursed by a demon and seeing where they could go. And I, I really uh, I'm interested to dig into the to the back catalog a bit. And this is I've actually written up an essay on our Facebook about the Muda match before. And this was maybe a year and a half ago um, before we started the podcast. 
uh, I did uh, I did one essay about the Liger Super J Cup uh, match with the Great Sasuke, and I did one about Muda versus Hakushi, and that was when I realized that this was what I wanted to do for you know the podcast have a have a time when we can sit down and really dig into one match specifically. So it's um, pretty cool to see a follow up to one that I've dug into before. Uh, maybe I'll find it and post that again uh, in our Facebook group. No, I was going to say it, in my head it, until. Until we can do that research, I've already come to a conclusion on how I would want that to end. Okay, tell uh, me how you how you think that story should have gone. So at ultimately, um, his body gets carried away by uh, three blonde young men. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and uh, shortly after, a couple weeks later on Raw, blood, 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 exactly. Yes. I love that idea. I love that idea, man. Oh, having Akushi as part of the brood would be rad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, having Akushi as part of like a, like a ministry undertaker, like that would be cool. Oh man. But yeah, I think at this point he was back in Japan full time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure it ended with a big spectacle somewhere at like a, sumo hall or something bad like that that'd be pretty cool well i'm gonna have to figure that out i'm uh i'm curious now as far as this match goes like i said it's not gonna win any wrestling observer newsletter stars or anything like that but it is a really cool story and i'm really glad you chose it yep especially because i love jensei shinzaki i i don't care for the undertaker i never have i can i can admit when the dude tells a really good story so that's fun yeah, I wasn't a big Undertaker fan during this era. Like I said, I, I, I go by the attire at how I kind of grade their era, which is pretty pretty spot on with Undertaker. So anything post-gray glove taker, I was eh, I was just meh about. Now, granted, when he was, you know, at the height of his spookiness with Paul Bear and beating Undertaker and, or beating Hulk Hogan and everything, he could have had the world title for like five years and I would have been like, yep. okay, that makes sense. Yep. He I this should was, have been unbeatable. This was like nailing Stephanie McMahon to a giant cross era, wasn't it? This was Ministry Undertaker, wasn't it? No, this was Was this pre ministry? This was pre ministry. This this is this is right after Paul Bear had turned on him. Oh, to go with to go with Kane. Okay. Yeah. I, I the the whole like ministry thing, like I I didn't care. So I, I really didn't pay a lot of attention to that on Raw when it was on. I I liked this attire for The Undertaker. I remember really liking this theme song for him because this was the one yeah. where they started adding um, like more rock and roll to it and stuff. And I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Man, they should oh, he should have taken Hakushi back to the WWF and like worked with him as, and made like a Dark Angel Hakushi. Yeah, that would have been so bad, dude. Yeah, super cool. I don't think so. I was listening to a couple of podcasts about Hakushi's reception in WWE, and I think that they thought maybe he was going to be bigger or something because it was like once he got there, they said that he wasn't as impressive looking as they had hoped. So they kind of just were like, um, stick him with Horowitz or something. And, you know, that was it. But really, like him like and just not that, as big, I wonder. Yeah, like, not as not as. Not as high, uh, not as tall, because he was he was not a small dude. Like he was pretty yoked as far as like muscular, but he's not 
maybe they thought he was like, you know, six inches taller or something. I don't know. You would think they would have got those measurements before he came over, but yeah, I was really, um, I'm really sad about that because I think that he did a lot of really cool stuff. Like I said, with Brett, his match with one, two, three kid, like awesome, super good match. Um, he could have, he could have been having like bangers on the reg with the likes of Shawn Michaels, one, two, three kid, Bret Hart, you know, Bob Holly. He could have, he could have had a oh, well, Candido. Oh my God. Hakushi versus like prime Candido would have been bad. Um, Shane yep. Douglas was on the on the uh, fence at this time uh, about whether he's going to stay or go. Maybe a program with Hakushi could have kept Shane Douglas in. Uh, no, no, he was gone, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I think I think the the bridge was burned too much with him and Shawn Michaels at that point. It probably, if I recall, yeah, probably, yeah. Which is sad. He was technically the. Intercontinental champion for about three and a half seconds. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll see. That was it. No, great match. Good pick. Before we get into our next segment, I want to take a couple of seconds and say, Shane, your hopes for 2022, while they were the most ludicrous thing I had heard at the time, seem to have come true. You said you wanted the WWF, the most notoriously solo company, the, the, the island itself, the, the one company on a rock that can never, ever open a forbidden door. You wanted that company to start peeking through. And I'll be goddamned. <laughs> Mickey James is going to appear at the Royal Rumble. You even said that yes. maybe they would do it with like with like a, a women's match at some point or like a women's tournament. We didn't know it was going to be the women's yeah. Royal Rumble. Yep. How do you do it? Well, um, mostly it's the uh, talent is what I like to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. You got to be good to be lucky and you got to be lucky to be good. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know. It was it was something that I, I felt needed to happen. So I um, used all the uh, powers that be that I have at, at my disposal, which is nothing. Um, and I, I was able to luck out about that. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Now, now with that, I, I, I do think I, I do want to add that to my, my greatest hits that I've uh, amassed over the years. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to put that right up there with uh, the modern-day Maharaja. Maharaja! As far as just... Out of left field predictions and slash hopes that somehow I nailed. That's a that's a good one. That's yeah. that was I I swear I laughed at you. I laughed at you when you said you wanted WWE to peek through a forbidden door. And now yeah. here it is. Yeah. Wow. Flowers to you. Flowers to yeah. you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Gold star. It's uh and, and you know, speaking of greatest hits. Maybe that's maybe that's the avenue that I go. Maybe I'm just like the wrestling podcast Barry Gordy. And for those that don't know who Barry Gordy is, Google it. Um, <laughs> he made but, the last dragon. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Yeah. Leroy. Uh, you know, maybe maybe I need to just be like the hit maker, where I can just produce all these stars, kind of like Motown Records, but with wrestling. But with me having zero actual influence, um, <laughs> maybe that's a route. Maybe uh, by the time this episode comes out, maybe I'll have some greatest hits 
that I'll drop on on the gram or on Facebook, just referring back to my my psychic powers. We'll see. My own badass self. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I think this is so. I I listened back to that episode, as as everyone that's listening should do. Go back and listen to episode nine. It was a great episode. Rafe's a great guest, and yes. um, we were on form. I think personally. But um, you should actually go back and listen to all of our episodes just for fun. You know, it's for fun. Mm-hmm. But I went back and listened to that episode and um, you made a prediction that seems to have come true and will probably come true even more as the as the year plays on. They're, they're talking about adding a forbidden door element to the men's Royal Rumble now. Holy cow. Yeah. And so that. That made me text Rafe and say, get on it. Where's GCW at? We're going to see. Maybe GCW can up their game a little bit more this year. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I didn't make a prediction for 2022. I didn't get to rub the magic lamp. I didn't get to, you know, make my make my wishes and dreams come true, which makes me very sad because I probably would have said something about, like, um, I don't know. I don't know what I would have said. Now's, I don't know what my hopes for time. I, w- I would I would have said I would have said everybody gets to have fun doing the wrestling and nobody is sad and everybody's happy forever and that you know that would never come right. true. So we don't have to worry about it anymore. No, I, I I don't know what I would have said, but I'm glad that your prediction or your hope has come true, and I, I'm hoping that Rafe's can as well. Yeah. Now I want to get down to something a little bit more serious. And I, I don't know who, who all knows or who all cares, but you are a black man. You are a proud black man. And, mm-hmm. you know, this week, uh, specifically, or this, since basically we recorded our last episode, the last two weeks, AEW's kind of had to stick up a little bit for their, their own diversity and how they, how they carry themselves as a company. And I've been thinking about it. I've got thoughts, obviously. I'm a podcaster, but I'm a white dude. Uh, I am a very mediocre cishet white man. And um, so when I think about who I would want to talk to about diversity in wrestling, uh, obviously, I'm going to talk to someone who's had to live through that. Um, I did do my best to you know, reach out to any black woman that I know that, um, is into wrestling. That's only two people. And unfortunately, neither of them has gotten back to me. I don't think Sasha Banks was checking her DMS, but when it comes to AEW's diversity, what are, have you, have you gathered any thoughts on it? It hasn't been something that I've really noticed one way or the other when watching I think when it comes to stuff like diversity, it can it can be a slip, a slippery slope because sometimes the sometimes the, the notion can be oh well you know someone shouldn't get a title shot or someone shouldn't be in a certain position because of their race, which is which is accurate. However, the on the flip side, the the problem with whether it be wrestling, sports, society, when those opportunities aren't being given because of you know gender or, or race that then there's the issue and i think that's why representation is so important with aew in particular 
I don't know. It, it seemed like they kind of played off a lot of uh, a lot of those um, hot points when they mm-hmm. were starting up, whether it be people of color, women, trans. They 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 played up on it early on, and at that point, I, I felt like it may not have been the most genuine thing. So I so I I was kind of skeptical. To begin with, I was like, eh, are they just pushing all of these things? Just like, hey, see, we're 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 diverse. We we have this person. We have this well, person. Let, let's talk about that I, for I a second because they they do you know they, Tony Khan mentioned specifically that the two top people in the company are people of colors. Tony himself, and so he also mentioned Mega Parekh. Parekh, I think is how you say his name. Right. Parekh is their chief legal right. officer. So it's Tony Khan who is a man of color mm-hmm. and mega Parekh, who's their chief legal officer, who is seems like might just be a lawyer. So he's not in the room with the pencil. You know what I mean? He's not making any booking decisions. Right. Then they've got, they've got Brandy Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes, a, a woman of color who's a branding officer. So she's not going to be in the, in the room making any, any booking decisions. It looks like everyone else who's in the room making booking decisions. Well, for at least the first few years was the elite, a bunch of white guys, you know, who are there in Tony Khan's ear. Right. And, and, and by no means, like, I don't know. So how do I put, how can I put this? I I think when it comes to diversity, first off, I I wasn't a fan of how Tony Khan handled his, his rebuttal to swole. Be anyway, fucking better, Tony. That was uh, gross. That, yeah, that was worst case scenario. How you respond to something like that? That that was basically, hey, we have, I have a black friend. Equivalent. Yeah, it was, it was very like, much that. And then, and yeah, oh, all, all these black people won their matches, and uh, watch our show. Yeah, that was very. It reminds right. me a lot. And then for him to say. Uh, for him to say the absolute lie that Swole was not good enough as a wrestler, get out of fucking yeah. town, bro. Swole's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so I, I was not a fan of how that was handled whatsoever. I don't know. It's 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 one of those things where it's it's really tough to explain where it's just like, yeah, you, you want to see people that look like you. You want to see people that don't look like you. You you, you want to have an, an an even mix of it. And, and, and I know for me growing up, there wasn't that constant daily, you know, as I'm watching wrestling, I didn't see a lot of people that, that looked like me. Yeah, it wasn't, it there was no really, Big E versus Bobby Lashley then. Right. So it didn't, it didn't keep me from enjoying wrestling as a kid. Um, but when I had those opportunities, it was a little more special because I was able to relate um, on a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as much as I love Bret Hart and Ultimate Warrior, so on and so forth. It 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 hit different when I when I seen a Ron Simmons, when I seen a Harlem Heat. But on the flip side, I also liked seeing all the diversity, you know. I also mm-hmm. like seeing Eddie Guerrero, mm-hmm. um Great Muda. Like so I, I for for me I, I like seeing all of it. Yeah. Um and I, I think that that's what needs to be. It, it needs to be something that's just normal, that it's not something where you 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 do it because you you're trying to uh, get fans or get get likes. I mean, if the decision making calls for so and so to be in a position, 
it shouldn't matter what what race they are right um but the problem is if if you if you're kind of hesitant to pull the trigger because of their race then that that's that might be kind of what swole was you know referring to i think one one thing that swole was and and i i went back and i listened to what swole said and she was very very gentle with what she said Right. Uh, which surprised me because uh, when I first read it, it sounded like, oh, Swole's got problems with AEW's diversity. I was like, oh, here we go. Right. You know, she's she's going to be out here just making noise and stuff like that. No, she wasn't. She she was really she was she wasn't even upset. She was just talking. And Swole's been a Swole's been a commentator on um, racial issues for years before she started with AEW. Right. Um, even when she was contracted with AEW, she was still. You know, she had on her on her uh, social media and things like that. She would talk about what was going on in Raw and how that affected diversity within wrestling. Mm-hmm. And um, when when Tony responded like a like a like a wrestling board poster from 2008, I had to kind of stop myself and go, yeah. like, uh, that's who that's who he is. Yep. You know. That we we all kind of forget that like he's just acting like who he is. Um, he's he's not acting like a CEO. It was very undignified. It was very uncool. Well, that and if I mean, if if you don't if you don't have that, if you don't have that in your heart initially as just a, as a person, to if if it's not important to you to see those things on a day to day basis as far as diversity, it's not going to necessarily change when you're running your own wrestling company. And so that just, you know, like, you know, you hit it on the head like that. That's how he is now that he's running a wrestling company and he has people around him that, you know, like Cody, who, I mean, that's more of a personal issue with Cody because that that's his family. Like he, he yeah. you know, so it, it may not have been an issue before he became Tony Khan wrestling extraordinaire. So he, he, he you know, it might be not. I don't know. It's, he, not that he not he can't relate, but it just may not have been a thing for him. Yeah, and I, I, I think so. One of the one of the big issues. So there's there's really two issues. Some people are pointing out AEW's lack of diversity at the top of their at the top of their world heavyweight division. So they've got four champions and. All four of them have been white men. As far as I can remember, only uh, one black man's ever challenged for the belt. That was Scorpio Sky challenged Chris Jericho. I might be wrong on that. I didn't. I haven't watched AEW since it started. I did take a long break um, right after it started. But are there any other like men on that level that could have been challenging for that belt? Uh, no. Not not that comes to mind um, specifically, but even that someone comes to mind if if they were going to kind of go off of hitting all the check marks and, and trying to, you know, appease certain groups, so to speak, which they shouldn't do if it's not genuine. I'll, I'll use someone as an example. Sun and Kiss. Yeah, you, you, you're you're checking off a, a couple boxes there. I don't know if I've seen Sonny Kiss in any type of like main event positions or even mid card. I know, I know there was a thing with him, uh, with Sonny Kiss and Janela. 
But if I recall, a lot of that was done on AEW Dark. Yep, and, that was explain why I haven't seen it, because I don't watch Dark. I don't watch Dark Elevation. Right. And so, whether it be the TNT title, the TBS, the uh, ESPN, whatever, how many other championships they want to have, there's a prime example on, okay, sincere or not, you have these opportunities to continue to break these barriers. And to this point, you, you, you've kind of taken the safe route. And that's, that's true. And I think the, the, that brings to the second issue uh, that I, that I've seen. Uh, and that is the women's division. Now, when you think about the AEW women's division, that is probably the most diverse division that they have in the entire company because you've got Latinx women, you've got trans women, you've got black women, you've got white women, you've got an entire smorgasbord of people currently. And this was after, of course, after the blow up, Jade Cargill won the TBS title. And it looked like she was on her way there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, it doesn't look like this was in any sort of response to uh, what had happened. So, Yeah, Swole was part of the women's division, and the women's division is a very diverse division. The problem with that is diversity and equity are not the same thing. The women get one match per episode. This is something that I've raged uh, raged about before on this very podcast. One, the, the most diverse division in your entire company, one match every three hours, you know, every, you know, uh, two hours, uh, two hours for dynamite a week and they get one match on that rampage. You'll most likely get a a women's match on that as well. So two matches in three hours, you can do better. Yeah. And you can do a lot better. Exactly. And, and, and again, I, I I just want to put an emphasis on it. It's not about, Hey, you should put this black wrestler in this position just because they're black. Only the decision makers will know, you know, what, what's the reasoning behind putting whoever in a position. But the problem becomes if if they are gun shy about those decisions based on the race, then that becomes the issue. I don't want. Yeah, I, I don't, don't want feel to like see that's a, a problem. Yeah, I don't want to see just a bunch of black champions just so they can say, "Oh well, see now we got black champions." But if if that if that person truly deserves that position, and you're apprehensive because of that, then that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't fall in with this uh, thinking that oh Tony Khan's racist or anything like that. I don't right. I don't think he is. I think that Swole was a hundred percent right though that there could be more diversity at the top right. of AEW's uh, heavyweight division, and I think that they should with their most diverse area of the roster make things a little bit more equitable. Maybe they there wouldn't be such a such a problem. Uh, th- or things that, like like Swole said, needed to be fixed if they were able to celebrate that diversity more. That doesn't necessarily mean crowning a black champion if they don't have plans to, plans to crown a black world champion. But with someone like Jade Cargill now, who is holding the, the secondary women's belt, a brand new belt that they that she won in spectacular fashion, good match with Ruby Soho, great matches throughout the tournament, if... She is more celebrated on TV as as a woman of color. If she is put in positions in main event spots, if other people of color are put in main event positions 
on Dynamite. Maybe it it doesn't even have to be a world title picture as long as maybe at the end of the night you see someone like Jade Cargill holding a belt high and celebrating. That might even be enough to really show that this is a person that the company is being built around. That and and especially considering, you know, they're 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 operating out of Jacksonville for the most part. Um and, and, and Duval County is is historically a, a predominantly black area in Jacksonville, yep. Florida. And so you, you you have that opportunity right in your backyard to kind of tap into some of the culture and, and some of the different things there. So it's, I mean, it, you got, you got unlimited money in theory. Um, and, and then you have some, some, re, some resources and, and, you know, you have some opportunities to do some things and there's always, so when, when there's a first, when there's a first opportunity, there's always going to be some emphasis on, okay, this is the first whatever to do whatever. And then after that, the goal is just to have it just become a normal thing, if that makes sense. So, like, for example, when, when you had um, Big E and, and Bobby kind of first starting out with the rivalry, you know, that was, it was pretty historical to see two main event black men, um, you know, going for the top title. Yeah. Fast forward a couple of weeks, a couple of months, it's, it's, still, it's still cool to see, but now, now it's normal. The new normal. And, and yeah. that's what needs to happen across the board. Black, white, yeah. Mexican, Asian. It just, once you get over that initial hump, then it's just like, now now we can just, we can roll with it. So, right. Damn right. So. Cool. Well, I, I appreciate your thoughts on that, man. Uh, like I said, I was hoping to get the opinion of a uh, a woman of color for this because the fact that Swole is a woman of color. I, I don't know her story. I don't know where her headspace is at. You are a man of color. You're a proud man of color, but you are still a man. So even you can't tell where her head's at specifically. Right. Um, I would have, I would have liked to have heard from a, from one of a woman of color who can look at the entire gamut and get their thoughts on things because, um, you know, we, we do need to understand that there are subdivisions within subdivisions and we need to hear their voices as well. Yeah. And I mean, you, you look historically through, you know, mainstream wrestling, so to speak, maybe on one hand I can name like high profile black women wrestlers. Mm -hmm. And once I get past Jacqueline and jazz, it starts to get kind of thin as far as like yep. years ago. Yep. It's, it's, it's and I think that's now, why that's why yeah. we that's why we wanted to celebrate Sasha and Bianca having such a, a fantastic match at right. WrestleMania Night One. Yeah. What a moment that was, and I I mean I don't think we'll ever be able to put over what a moment that really was. Yeah. So I I think like Cody Rhodes we have now solved racism. Yeah. And uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> One one one, um, one little side note. One little yeah. One little thing that that like encompasses everything that is good in this world. Um, I was I was watching I don't know Raw some episode I don't know. Anyway, Bianca Belair was coming out doing her hair whip thing, her typical entrance, and they, you know, they they um, shoot to the crowd, and they're you know as she's twirling her hair. There's they they shoot to a kid, little white boy, that's kind of yeah. 
fake twirling his hair. And, like, that impact can't be, like, that that type of thing, like, warms my heart is that someone from a different gender, from a different race, can look up to someone. Like, that. that's what's cool about it. Like, you know, when you have diversity, it's not always, okay, little little black kid looking up to, you know, a black wrestler, a little white kid. Like, to have different races and genders looking up to different races and genders and yep. seeing them in a position of power, that that's cool. So It really is. Be, being able to look at someone and say, that's a hero of mine, no matter who they are right. or what they look like. Yep. Super cool. So, finally, tonight... We don't have any questions, save one. We were challenged by friend of the show, Sean. Sean says that he thinks what we need to do is come up with some predictions for who we think is going to be our wrestler of the years, our matches of the year, whatever whatever we can come up with for 2022. Mm-hmm. He wants to see how good we are at predicting. And I mean, Shane, you, you, you yourself were celebrating... Uh, your predictions, your ability to predict. Yeah. Earlier tonight, the star maker and star maker. We've been we've been challenged, a challenge. Now, I think what we're gonna do is just kind of keep it keep it to the bigger awards. Right. We'll say who we think's gonna be the male wrestler of the year, who we think's gonna be the female wrestler of the year, and we're gonna see if we can predict maybe a match of the year contender. This is all going in our time capsule, right? This is all going in the time capsule. We're going to play this back at the end of the year, probably in another episode with uh, Rafe. I think they were going to make that a yearly thing where he comes on and, and uh, does the year-end awards he's, he's with us. He's on the Undertaker schedule. He's on the Undertaker schedule. And um, we're going to see if uh, how, how right or wrong we possibly are. Cool. Now, first things first. Shane, do you have... A men's wrestler of the year. Who do you think is going to be the men's wrestler of the year for 2022? Okay, so looking into my uh, crystal ball here, I, I've decided that the men's wrestler of the year will be none other than, you guessed it, <laughs> you know him we know him i know him without further ado <laughs> no no further introduction coming up shortly it is <laughs> ricochet ricochet really the the dude who's somehow barely survived being released for the last like two years now, I didn't say what company, but I did Ooh. not not say what company also. Okay, okay, okay. What leads you to these to to these findings? Uh really it's just intuition. That's just that's just a uh, a dark horse that I uh that I had in mind. I think I I think one way or the other he's going to break on through to the other side in a wrestling promotion. In the next year. In a wrestling yeah. promotion. In some wrestling and possibly in multi wrestling promotions. Right. Do you have any other uh any other people you think are you, you want to call for tap on the tap on the shoulder for having a big run in twenty twenty two? Kind of. So earlier, um, I'd say we're gonna put a pin in it as far as uh, Okada. 
Mm-hmm. So this is uh, kind of part of my our, my time capsule prediction extravaganza. It's sure going to be cool to see Okada in the Royal Rumble this year. <laughs> there it is. I don't I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think he's got days coming up for scheduled for New Japan. I think the two weeks quarantine when he gets back to Japan would uh would interfere with those dates. But man, that would be a moment, wouldn't it? You're just like five, four, three, two, one, who's it gonna be? And then the penny drops. Da-na-na. Oh my god, what a okay. moment. And the crowd goes mild because nobody knows who he is. <laughs> well, Okay, well, I, I I was going to make it a little more broad. Yeah, the travel restrictions, that that can be a thing. But yeah. someone from New Japan will be in the Royal Rumble. That, oh. If I, if I, if I, if I have it, to make it a little more broad, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it like that. Is it, is it a certain someone named Jamie with washboard abs and a really weird beard? We'll see. <laughs> oh. The leader of the Bullet Club, you say? Man, it would be cool to see Jay White in the in the Royal Rumble, though. It would be cool to see Jay White do anything. I would really like to see Jay White eventually wrestle again someday. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Uh, so I, I, hundred percent, hands down, wrestler of the year this year is going to be Okada. He's gonna. He's already had two absolute bangers, and it's not even mid January yet. He's going to have at least one rematch with Shingo. He's going to have one match. He's got one match on the horizon with Naito already. Uh, I think at some point they're going to run back him versus Shibata. Uh, and then um, maybe one more that I'm going to tease right now for my match of the year uh, that I won't say. Yeah. As far as other people that are going to have great years, I think Miro's going to have a fantastic year this year. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe uh, the next AEW world champion is a man named uh, Miroslav. Like directly the next, and uh, I he might okay. be. That's on record. I'm he first. First he's gonna first he's going to wait for the next uh, pay per view where he's going to challenge God okay. and, and and submit God. Then he's going to uh, use that to uh, link up and directly challenge um, Hangman Page. All right, I like it. Man, that that'd be cool as hell. I love I love Miro so. I think at some point this year, Miro becomes AEW world champion. Boom. Right. Clock it. In the WWE, who do I think is going to have a big year? I don't know. All right. It would be cool to see Ricochet have a big year. I love Ricochet. I can't think of anyone in the WWE who's really like, I mean, I, Braun Breaker, obviously, but like he's already, you know, NXT world champion. So, yeah. Oh, well. Carmelo Hayes. That's fair. I like Carmelo Hayes. I don't even, I've never even seen him wrestle yet. I've just seen a couple of like tweets and stuff about him. I think he's, uh, he's yeah. doing all right. Carmelo Hayes. We'll call Carmelo Hayes. How about that? Um, do you have a prediction for women's wrestler of the year? I do. Um, and then I'll get, I'll get to my uh, match of the year that kind of refers back to my wrestler of the year. Male or female wrestler of the year? Well, foreshadowing no it's gonna be okay. it's gonna be it's gonna it's going to involve my male wrestler of the year okay so we'll do women's wrestler of the okay. year first and then you do yours that involves your men's wrestler of the year and i'll do mine that involves my men's okay. wrestler of the year so okay. 
go ahead and um, call uh, your women's wrestler of the year for 2022. Who do you see having the big year 2022? Women's wrestler of the year. I'm trying to stay away from anyone that's safe um, and that I haven't already correctly predicted, like Bianca, um, Liv Morgan. So, time capsule, women's wrestler of the year, calling it right now. I'm going to say future world champ, none other than Paige. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Huge if true. Huge if true. Paige, if you're listening right now, and I know you are, you're a big fan. First off, dump your boyfriend because that guy's a sack of shit. (laughs) (laughs) But Oh, my God. If Paige came back, that would be just a moment, Mm -hmm. wouldn't it? You heard here first, folks. She's going to reclaim that title. And it might be at the biggest show of the year. Now, is the biggest show of the year going to be the one that's expected? Or are you saying the biggest show of the year is going to be a, a, later on in the year a, a wild one? Yep. Just some wild card show. No, it's going to be that show. It's going to be, be that show where where she reclaims her her throne, where she where she protects her house. Mm-hmm. Wow, that could be a moment, man. Yeah, that could be a real moment. It's going to take a little bit of the wind out of my sails, eh? <laughs> uh, so, my my women's wrestler of the year, uh, the new Batista, Jamie Hader. I think Jamie Hader is going to have a huge year. I think she's going to finally get tired of uh, Dr. Britt Baker DMD. She is going to D yeah, point, point, point. She is going to have a moment uh, where she thumbs down and attacks uh, Britt Baker and strikes out on her own. And I think she's going to have a hell of a time climbing that mountain and becoming AEW women's champion. Is there anybody else that you, uh, any other women that you think are going to have big years? Other than that, I would say, I I think, um, I think Liv Morgan, she'll finally get over the hump. She'll finally win a match at some point. Yeah, that and a a title, preferably also within the next 12 months. Could be a thing. I think that's going to be a thing. Could be a thing. And I I, I think uh, maybe uh, Lacey Evans might make a triumphant return. Ooh. You are a fan of Lacey Evans. Yeah. I think I want to see, you know who I want to see have a big year? Mm-hmm. Dewdrop. Yeah. I would love to see Piper Niven go out and just roll people like I know she can. Um, I saw that her and her and Becky are going to have a match at some point. Title match. Yep. Very excited. Very excited for that one because I think those two could absolutely throw down. Uh, I would love to see Dewdrop go through. Any women's division, I think that Piper Niven is awesome. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Also, I'm going to, I mean, how can you not see it coming? I think Thunder Rosa is going to have a huge year. I think Thunder Rosa is awesome. Yeah. Finally, a, a wild card. Brand new to stardom. I have I have only seen her in two matches so far, uh, but Thecla, she's rad. She's super cool, the Toxic Spider Thecla. A lot of people have seen her do the, like, matrix like exorcist thing to escape a uh have you have you seen that Mm-mm. so it's it's a gif uh that a, a lot of people have seen 
someone goes for a goes for a clothesline to hit her. She like matrixes back and then like spider crawls like the exorcist out of the way, rolls over and heads straight for a spear, which is oh, wow. fantastic. It looks super cool every time. I'll find a way to send it to you. Um, yes, she was uh, recently uh, debuted in stardom as a member of Donna Del Mondo, which is uh, Julia's faction. Julia, love, love, love Julia. And uh, yeah, really excited for her. I think she's uh, really cool. I think she's going to win their SWA belt and um, defend it against all sorts of uh, lovely opponents. The SWA belt in stardom is one of the coolest ideas. So basically, whoever holds it can only be you can only be challenged by people from other countries. So if a Japanese person holds it, then it can only be challenged for by someone from somewhere that's not Japan. Or um, in the case of now, because there's travel restrictions and things like that, Thekla is um, Australian. So it might be best for her to hold it and have a bunch of matches with Japanese women um, over the, the SWA belt. Really cool idea. It's a really cool belt. Yeah, that is cool. That would be cool if they did that with like the Intercontinental. It would be cool because then it would truly be Intercontinental. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be uh, super neat. And now the big one. Call your shot. Match of the year. Match of the year. For me, it's going to involve my match of the or my wrestler of the year, Ricochet. Mm-hmm. And it will also involve Mustafa Ali. Okay, cool. And it will be for either the Universal or WWE title. Oh, you think one of those guys is uh, destined for glory this they year? They will both be involved in a match, whether it be one-on-one or maybe a fatal four-way of some sort. They will be involved in a match of the year with one of those titles on the line. Wow. Okay. Oh, man. I see I see so many ideas running through my head right now. Like, especially just adding those two to like a ladder match for the for the universal title or maybe not universal for the WWE title depending on who's holding it if they get it off of Brock Lesnar at some point maybe Bobby Ricochet Mustafa Ali Kofi Rey Mysterio that might be fun I don't or, know. I mean or I even know. if Depends. even if it's like a money in the bank but I'm going to say it's going to be for a title that could be really cool yeah that could be really cool. I think that's that's a bit wild. It's probably actually a little bit more accurate than mine's going to be, but we're going to have some fun with it. Um, I like that. I like that idea. I hope that it comes true. The way you're calling your shots this year is pretty yeah. impressive. So my match of the year does also include my men's wrestler of the year, and it is for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Your champion Kazuchika Okada versus the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. It's happening. I look forward to another time limit draw. All right, let's do it. It's a- <laughs> let's, let's, don't ruin don't ruin this for me, Shane. <laughs> That's going to be no, awesome. It's going to be amazing, yeah. dude. It's going to be so good. It's going to be, I don't, I think, because the G1 is going to be Back in summertime this year. 
so they'll have a chance to set up probably two title defenses between the G1 and Wrestle Kingdom. I think Danielson is going to get a win over Okada some, at some point in the block matches and use that as a claim to a as a claim to a uh, world heavyweight title match before Wrestle Kingdom. Does he I think Okada's going to hold it all year till Wrestle Kingdom. Where he's going to lose it? I I I don't know. He won't he won't lose it to Danielson. No, no, no. He'll he'll beat Danielson in in this match of the year. Really? But yeah, Danielson will beat him in the G1 to set up a title claim and then Okada will get his win back at maybe King of Pro Wrestling. I don't know. We'll see. You almost, you almost, you almost had me on board. Till you said Danielson was. Is he ever gonna win a title again? Yes. <laughs> is he gonna have to go back and win Are the twenty four seven title from from uh, Dana Brooke? Like who? <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna win the ROH title. I don't know. He's gonna he's gonna win the. He'll win a tag team title with somebody. I don't Great. Know. Team Hell No. Awesome. <laughs> team Hell No. Oh, hell yes, Team Hell No. Uh, no. He will uh, He he will challenge Okada and lose after the G1. Do it. Done and done. Do it, you coward. Lose. Do it. Make him win. <laughs> Make him win. I'm not Gato. <laughs> I don't think he's big enough name in, in, uh, in Japan to sell out Wrestle Kingdom himself. Really? Not yeah. even from his his WWE influence. I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. Japanese Japanese fans. I think right now, I think the only the only Western draw they could bring in would be someone other other than like someone like Kenny. They could they could bring back Kenny and have a have that be a draw. But you don't think like that like anyone almost practically anyone from WWE could sell out. In Japan right now. No. You don't think Roman Reigns no. wouldn't sell that out? Roman Reigns could. Roman Reigns could. I think uh, Brock Lesnar could. I think John Cena could. I don't know how many more below that could. Hmm. Interesting. And maybe I'm wrong. I, I will fully admit I've never been to Japan. But I have friends who are in the Japanese market who know how these things work and they know what they want to see. They know what the Japanese fans are interested in. Maybe they could bring back Shunsuke. That would be a big draw. I don't think we've ever really seen a proper title match between Shinsuke and, and Kazuchika Okada. We've seen G1 finals and things like that between them, and they were really good matches. What about AJ? You don't think he can go back right now? AJ, AJ could go back. I don't know if you could sell a Wrestle Kingdom on the back of AJ. I I would hope that you could. Um, I think AJ versus Okada is a good match. Um, you know, every time they've had it, it's been impressive. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and and because he has that history in Japan, that might be a right. thing. I hope that it, I I would think that AJ could sell sell a lot of tickets. I don't know if they could sell, and God willing, forty k in the Tokyo Dome to do that. But I don't I don't know if they'll beyond 40k in the Tokyo Dome by the time next year comes around anyway. Right. Could Daniel Bryan versus cuz cuz you got to think the other half what's the other half of that equation? Who wins the G1? Okay. Naito? Could Daniel Bryan versus Naito sell out the dome? 
Meh. I don't know. Could, could, you know, Daniel Bryan versus Jay White sell out the Dome? No. Could Daniel Bryan versus Will Ospreay sell out the Dome? No. Could, could Daniel Bryan versus Tanahashi? Ooh. Tanahashi won't win the J1. Are you calling Daniel Bryan a B-plus player? I am not calling Daniel Bryan a B-plus player. I'm saying Daniel Bryan is not appreciated in the Japanese market. Well, he will be when he gets that strap. (laughs) That would be awesome. It would be super cool to see him as a world heavyweight champion in the only company that matters. I'm joking, of course. Are you not? (laughs) (laughs) It's the only one that matters to me. Maybe number four or three in the rankings, but it's number one in my heart. It's still real to me, damn it. Still real to me, damn it. And with that, I think we should just go ahead and uh, call it a night. What do you think, man? Sounds good. We talked enough wrestling for you. Sounds good. (laughs) All right, buddy. Well, uh, right now I'd like to ask you, if you've uh, enjoyed our content, to go ahead and like, share, subscribe, thumbs up, five stars. Whatever you can do to uh, help us with the algorithm gods here on uh, whatever lovely platform you're on, mm-hmm. Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, etc. Thank you very much for listening. My name's Curtis. That's Shane. Shane, where can they find you on social media, buddy? Uh, they can find me in the courtyard of the Overlook Hotel, chilling. <laughs> chilling in the hedge maze. Also... <laughs> King underscore uncanny Instagram. I noticed that you are actually posting on there now. It's by accident. <laughs> you, you, like you tripped and your phone yeah. fell and there uh, all of a sudden there's a yep. meme. <laughs> well, follow King underscore uncanny on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at El Destructo 83. You could follow the show on Instagram at the Smart Foundation on Instagram. You can email the show at smartfoundation1 at gmail.com. Uh, you can listen to my other pro, uh, podcast, which is called Throwing Dice, the Throwing Dice podcast. You can find us uh, so far, it's only available on Spotify. It will be available on other platforms soon. That's about role playing games like DD, uh, tabletop war games like Warhammer and uh, Malifaux, Marvel Crisis Protocol, things like that. And um, maybe even Hero Clicks one day. I don't know. Maybe even Hero Clicks one day. I miss playing Hero Clicks. R.I.P. in peace to you, Hero Clicks. I'm going to miss everybody. Um. <laughs> See you at the girlfriend. So you won't be lonely. Oh. That's a moment. Um. So, yeah, what have I done? Um. Anyway, yes, please like, share, subscribe. Get the word out there. We love talking wrestling for you guys. And if you love hearing us talk wrestling... Let us hear uh, or let us talk wrestling for other people. You know, tell your friends. We love you. As far as that goes, though, it's time for us to be out of here. Say goodnight, Shane. Goodnight, Shane. Episode 10 in the books, bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble. I've 
I was asked what a smark is today. Mm-hmm. I had to sit there and explain how fucking stupid our name <laughs> is. Excellent. What do we call this show? What are we doing we, here? What we are we call talking it the about? Talking the wrestling, talking stuff. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. It's what I do. I'm a podcaster. You, you should add podcaster to your like social media bios because you're a podcaster now. <laughs> Professional everythinger. <laughs> I'm a professional talk manner. Oh. Mm-hmm. I've got an internet. I used it to order a microphone. I'm a professional. Po- you will listen to everything I have to say. That's true. I wonder how many people we've turned off with our with our lefty nonsense that we've uh, been spewing for the last few minutes. Meh. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Rock your body slam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ward, 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 wide load? Wide load. Uh, wide load. It's been a Mark Henry day. We've been sharing Mark Henry gifts. It's fine. So I, I read somewhere that like, 90% of podcasts that are started don't make it to an episode 10. So I, I really wanted to make sure this was a big one for us and uh, to do it right. We've got special. No, we don't have any special guests or anything this time. I was, just, <laughs> I'm just making stuff up. Uh, I, I might in, end up buying us a birthday cake or something. Just, you know, 